is often used uh, for a number of different occasions at funerals and uh, various times when comfort is given to Christians and especially in the view of some loss or some tragedy, uh, something of that nature. Uh, so John chapter 14, 1 through 6, begin reading there. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And where I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, let us just ask God's blessing, uh, if we will, upon the Scriptures. Lord, that you may bless your word, that you may bless it to our hearts and lives, that you may minister it to us by your Holy Spirit, and Father, that you may give us insight into the Word of God, that we may see its application for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at this passage, it is one, perhaps, that is so familiar to us that we... um, perhaps kind of slide over it pretty easily. And uh, yet at the same time, uh, it has much to say to us, especially when we consider the times in which we live. Now we know that the disciples um, were in great need of encouragement upon the eve of Christ being captured, betrayed, taken off to um, the high priest, questioned, and then later going to Pilate's uh, hall and um, there being questioned again and finally being scourged and, and, uh, putting, and putting through great hum- humili- humiliation uh, before he was taken to the cross and crucified. Uh, so the disciples uh, now witnessing... Uh, the upper room discourse, witnessing the words of Jesus, hearing that there would be a traitor, a traitor among them, realizing that uh, this this traitor would betray Jesus, and um, Peter himself would even deny the Lord three times, and the disciples would be in a state of confusion over just where and what was going to happen next. Um, perhaps you may be thinking, you know, that there is some sense of, of um, confusion even in today's society. When you look at the liberal news media and you consider the political system that we are currently under, when you view the kinds of um, new world order measures which are being imposed on us, Uh, to say nothing about a global pandemic which has been um, worked into a a very great deal of fear and trembling in the hearts of many people. Uh, We find that all these things tend to cause people to be uneasy and to be troubled. 
Uh, Christians are no different in this, of course. Um, we know that this passage means more to you and I as believers than it does to the world. As far as the world is concerned, they perhaps discount it a great deal and um, may see it as nothing more than some literary um, intrigue that was happening in the first century concerning somebody known as Jesus and a few followers of Jesus who were becoming dis disoriented because of the loss of their leader or something of that nature. Um, but as Christians, we look at this passage a little bit more uh, intimately, realizing that the only true Son of God, the one who came into the world as the incarnate of God, Jesus himself, came to be revealed as the Son of God and Savior of the world. And when we face circumstances, when we face the trials of life, when we face uh, the uncertainty of, of things that are going on around us and the kinds of circumstances that we are often overtaken by, we turn to the Word of God and this passage is, is a, a very important passage that gives hope and comfort to us as being believers because Jesus truly did say the very things that are written here for a reason and that they are true, even as Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, what is happening in the world today is a reminder to us that we need to trust Jesus um, Christ as our Lord and Savior. We need, we need to remember that he is truly the one who is on the throne beside the Father in heaven, and that he will come again and receive us unto himself. And so this passage uh, is important. Um, and uh, as we see the comfort that Jesus gives to his own disciples, he announces his coming for them again in this passage. And so three areas we're going to be looking at here under the title of the cure for a troubled spirit. Uh, first of all, you believe in God, believe in me. You believe in God, believe in me. Um, and we're going to be looking at a couple of three words here. The word for believe is the word pisteo, and it does mean to believe or to have faith. It, it, uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you both the Greek word and the pronunciation there. And, of course, the long mark over the O means that you pronounce the O. Pisteo, pisteo. That is how it is to be pronounced. And we find that faith is important. Faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, the disciples were to have faith in God because Jesus Christ was sent forth from the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ came from God the Father. To believe in God the Father is to believe in Jesus Christ. And to believe in Jesus Christ is to believe in God the Father. And so we find that he gave these, this word to them that they might be anchored, anchored in truth, anchored in true faith, anchored in true belief. Because in times of difficulties, in time of fear, we need to have an anchor that holds. Of course, the, the hymn writer gave uh, a very wonderful hymn upon that 
upon that very statement. Uh, does your anchor hold in the storms of life? Well, we find that the disciples were in the storms of life. They were at that, that critical moment. Um, and we know that, that they would be scattered. We know that they would suffer a great deal um, at the hands of those who uh, wanted to destroy them. And faith would be very important. Faith and belief in, in God and faith and belief in Jesus Christ because he was yet to be proven to be the Son of God to them. Remember, though they believed he was the true Messiah of God, he had not yet passed that final test, if you will. He had not proved himself. He had not gone to the cross and died. He had not resurrected yet. He had not ascended to the right hand of the Father. All these things would be, would be fulfilled upon the very word of God, and the disciples would know these things much more clearly and, and uh, dramatically uh, after the fact. And so, but they had to have faith right then. They needed faith now, at that very moment. They needed the true faith to believe that not only God is, but he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Secondly, as we look here um, in verse 2, he says, I am preparing a place for you. Now, Pastor Bo kind of touched on that this morning a little bit. And he brought down the new Jerusalem out of heaven and he gave us the measurements of that great cube, 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, and uh, all that stuff. And um, we, we are reminded that uh, there are many rooms in that uh, great uh, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And uh, the word mansion here is the word monet. And it is pronounced Monet, and that gives the, also the English pronunciation there with the, the um, accent mark over the E, Monet. That's how it is pronounced. And no, it's not money. No, it's Monet. That's how it is uh, to be pronounced. And, and so it's mansion, it's room, it's place. Um, God has prepared a place for us. He has prepared a place for us, you see. Now that is very comforting to us as believers, and we often resort to this passage of Scripture when in time of great comfort and hope. But you see, it not only gives us a sense of comfort, it gives us a sense of belonging. We belong somewhere. Um, we are pilgrims in this present world. We are strangers. Um, and... Um, we find that where are we going? We are going to the celestial city. We're going to heaven. We're on our way to that celestial city. And um, in every sense of the word, um, that great new Jerusalem is a mansion. Uh, it is um, an opulent, luxurious, if you will, uh, place provided by God to us, which will meet the needs of those who are redeemed and those of celestial presence with the Lord. And uh, like every good prophecy, it becomes much clearer after it is, it is fulfilled. So we are, we are waiting for it to be fulfilled. And we are, we are told to, to anticipate and to watch for and to look forward to that place 
which God has prepared for us. And so, as Jesus says here, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many monae. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So this preparation of which Christ is making is specifically for us. And we are to be the citizens of that great and wonderful Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And we will reside in that place with every um, comfort that God has required for us to enjoy. And so it is, a, it is a great thing as we, as we think about it. Thirdly, as we look at this, he says, I will come again for you. And uh, here is the word, erkomai, and it really is, uh, it means I will come. I will come. It doesn't mean he's coming today, but he says it's a promise for his coming. When he comes. It's in the imperfect tense. And so it says, I will come. I will come. It's a promise. I will come. Jesus is coming again. And we often, we often take a great deal of satisfaction in talking about the second coming of Christ. Because we know that that is the believer's blessed hope. It is something that each of us desire to uh, participate in. That the Lord will come again and receive us unto himself. That uh, those who are dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with the Lord. We'll be caught up together with the Lord. Forever to be with the Lord. Now see those are things that um, we, we, do, uh, we do love to hear about. We love to hear about those things. But I'd like to remind you of something that we are facing. We are facing probably the beginning of what we know to be the end of the church age. Now, I don't know another time in human history when that could be said with any amount of certainty. Many people have talked about the second coming of Christ. Many people have voiced their opinions about when it's going to happen. Many people have expressed that it could be in their lifetime. But I doubt that any could ever say that they were witnessing the very things that would usher in the second coming of Christ. And I think, and I really don't say this casually, that we are truly living in that time when the days of the second coming of Christ may be upon us much more quickly than we've ever considered them before. And of course there are many things which uh, lead us to believe that. Um, Gary Carr has uh, written uh, a number of different publications. This one is called Hope for the World. And uh, I'd like to draw a couple of different uh, observations out of this for you. 
The title um, page article is UFOs, Extraterrestrials, and Fallen Angels. Now, I'm not going to read the article because it would take too long. But we all have enough history in our own lifetime to know what has been said about UFOs, extraterrestrials, and fallen angels. We have heard this from the early 40s and 50s. Uh, and it's always been a hush-hush, don't talk about it, it, it's a secret thing, or, or maybe even it's a taboo thing to talk about, and if you did talk about it, it's, well, you're, and you're crazy. You're, you're, on the, you're on the fringe, and so you're so far out there, you're, you're an extremist, and you're even a conspirator, and you're a theorist. But all of that has changed now. Now it's gone public. Now the Pentagon has released papers uh, to say that extraterrestrials exist. Now the, even the news media makes certain implica implicating statements every now and then about UFOs or extraterrestrials. And that NASA has... Uh, NASA has, has begun to explore the possibility of these things. And even the Vatican makes statements about it. And things have changed. And we have to wonder why the things have changed. Except that it fits within the end time events and the very narrative of the globalists to draw us away from God unto other things and which causes the many people who are involved in spiritual, spiritualists, spiritualists or occult situations or kinds of beliefs are very much drawn to this. And, and all of us know very well that science fiction, sci-fi, has been a great part of this subject for many, many, many years. The whole Star Trek series and various kinds of Stargate series and various uh, other kinds of movies have been, have been put out on this for, for years and years and years. Gary Carr gives another brief note here, which I would like to read a short paragraph of it. It's called Years of Conditioning. Think about this. The very international and satanically inspired conditioning of human beings to accept an extraterrestrial narrative has been gaining momentum since 1940s and 50s. While this agenda is ancient in its origin, its outward manifestation has accelerated once again since the end of World War II. Beginning around that time, numerous one-world political and religious organizations, ranging from the United Nations and the World Council of Churches to the Rockefeller Foundation, and you will want to keep that name in your mind, Freemasonry and the World Federalist Movement, were either first established or became more overt in pursuing their new world order, globalist plans, and agenda, which at its core is steeped in interfaithism and the occult and includes an extraterrestrial component. In the decades that followed, many spin-off groups were formed which would essentially become supporting actors in the quest for a one-world political, economic, and religious system of government. 
These groups and the individuals allied with them collectively became known as the One World New Age Movement. Since the 1980s, these anti-Christian voices have become the dominant players in our government, community organizations, schools, judicial system, and religious institutions. Now the article goes on, but I won't bother you. Get the idea of what I'm saying here. That uh, there has been a conditioning to accept, to accept the idea of extraterrestrial terrestrial beings, UFOs, and those things related to it. And there are many groups which are not Christian in any particular way at all. They are, there are many groups which embrace this, this extraterrestrial idea, the UFOs, the idea of globalism, the one world government, and note in particularly that he says one world new age movement, which is a quote-unquote religious spiritual movement. And so, most Christians would probably say, well, no, I don't believe in extraterrestrials. The Bible doesn't tell us anything about beings from outer space coming here. There, are no, there is no such thing as, uh, as this kind of thing involved in the Word of God. Because what is it? We base our one worldview, our true scriptural worldview, Christian worldview on the Bible and not on the... Um, kind of the momentum of any uh, extraterrestrial headline. But yet this becomes a player in the New World Order. Something to think about. Secondly, we are very much aware of there is a powerful delusion going on. Now, when we talk about a delusion, we know that it is a deception that there will be a great deception in the end times, that many will be deceived and drawn away. And the idea of the deception and delusion leads to what is called an apostasia. An apostasy. A turning away from the faith. And when it mentions it in the scriptures, when it talks about an apostasia, uh, and a turning away from the faith, it is from the true faith unto a false belief. And we will note in particular that there are many things that draw people away from the true faith unto false faith. And usually it's some kind of spiritualism or occultism. Whether it is yoga or whether it is the out-and-out out uh, idea of occult and occult beliefs which may have to do with witchcraft or, or sorcery or various kinds of of black magic and the, the like, and many of that kind of thing is, is really being promoted with great emphasis today. This is a brief uh, comment that I would like to read here on a powerful delusion. As we near the end of the age, reaching history's climax, the return of Messiah, God's prophetic warnings are coming into clearer view. The Lord spoke of perilous times as Satan and his legions make one final attempt to take control. So as believers, our worldview says that Satan is not only alive and well on planet Earth, Satan is behind the great delusion and deception. 
Satan and his legions make one final attempt to take control, trying to defeat God's people and eternal plans. Of this time, Jesus said, quote, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man, Matthew 24:37. History has a way of repeating itself, as people have short memories and forget its lessons. The days ahead will be no exception. In fact, Jesus describes the time immediately before his return as being unprecedented in the level of wickedness and deception and warning. Now consider, the world is under this deception and this delusion. It's not regional, it's not localized to our town or to our one particular city or just the United States. This deception is worldwide. And that is how globalism is meant to be played out worldwide. And that is how the one world church later in the book of Revelation will be revealed worldwide. And that is how the one world economic forum is in play even today to change the monetary systems into a one world uh, monetary or financial system. And all that, all that is going on today that we take particular note of is within the realm and definition of globalism. Reading the scriptures, Matthew 24, chapter 24, 1 through 25, For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time, Matthew 25, 21 to 25. Now, those are, those are the kinds of things that we can expect. And, and to be very honest with you, uh, these things uh, seem to be manifesting themselves even now to some degree. Now, we find that um, this time that we're talking about when the disciples were in great trouble... Uh, is and, and it is an agitation of the spirit, the idea of trouble here. The word trouble in this particular usage here in John chapter 14 is pretty much the same as it was earlier when it said Jesus' spirit was troubled. It is the same word, terrasso, only it is a different variation of it. It's uh, terrasso. It's a little bit different variation of it, but it still means to be agitated in spirit. To be agitated in spirit. And the, the disciples not only were agitated in spirit uh, because of the events that were beginning to take place, there was a foreboding sense that things were going to get worse. And if you catch my drift here, we also may have a foreboding sense that things are going to get worse because of the kinds of things that are being 
propagated today, the kind of propaganda which is being disseminated throughout the world, not only with COVID-19, and, but with the various globalistic efforts which are, being, which are underway today and of those things which have to do with the prophetic word of God. That we might have a sense of foreboding, a sense that there is something coming on the horizon. Now, we don't say that to unsettle anybody, but we do say that to say this. The Word of God is just as important for us to take note of right now today as it did in the first century. Let not your heart be troubled. If you have a troubled spirit, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. You see, as believers, we do believe in God. And, but we also believe in Jesus Christ. And we find that our, our only platform where we can truly stand firm is upon the Word of God and upon the things that are truly said about Christ and of those end-time events. Let not your heart be troubled, you see. And though we, we may even have foreboding uh, uh, fear in relationship to the things that are coming down the road. I don't know about you, but it's unsettling when I stop and think about it. Some of the latest things that are being said is that if you don't take the COVID-19 shot, they're going to come to your house and knock on the door and coerce you into doing it. Another thing that is being said right now is that the public media is beginning to say that those who have not taken the shot ought to have consequences for not taking the shot. And for those who do not take the shot, some of the consequences might be, we won't let you into our business establishment. We will question you and we will make you tell us whether or not you have the shot or not. And as far as um, the, I guess the uh, scientific study on the RNA shot, which is called the COVID-19 shot, it is actually a shot to reprogram your DNA for other purposes. Yes, on the meantime, it is supposed to reprogram your immune system so that you can withstand the virus called COVID-19. But that is not the only thing. It is beginning to surface more and more that there are not only this one shot, but other shots that will follow. Some of them are calling them booster shots. Others are calling them shots that will just follow this shot to make sure that you are protected. So they're beginning to say in the narrative now, well, in the fall, we'll, we're going to have to do something more. Interesting to say that George Soros and Bill Gates are linked together in eugenics. Eugenics vaccines change behavior within one's body to perform other functions that are desired by those who manipulate those pharmaceuticals to put in you. And one of the particular um, theories, if you will, though I suppose it has not yet been proven, is that the COVID-19 shot is one of many that is going to come. 
which will not only rewrite the human DNA, but will be used to further the globalistic efforts of the one world government to bring people into control, to take away people's privacy, and to link that very RNA, which is rewriting the DNA of those who take it, that they will be prepared later for something else which will identify you as a global citizen. And of course when we stop and contemplate that just a little bit, that kind of causes us to think that this particular shot that they are forcing on everybody will later become an ID for a global citizen. I'd like to read a couple of other excerpts, if I may. United Nations last year was the 75th anniversary of the United Nations and with it a number of campaigns in support of UN empowerment took shape. This year, building on the work of the 75th anniversary, another movement has been created. We the people call for inclusive global governance. Join the call for inclusive global governance. More than 150 organizations that advocate greater internationalism have endorsed this campaign, a call to strengthen the world body and begin working for a larger vision of global governance. Some of the supporters include national UN associations, world federalist organizations, environmental groups, and humanitarian and human rights agencies, three brief but specific institutional changes make up the core of the We the People campaign, the first being a World Citizens Initiative. The creation of the instrument of a World Citizens Initiative, which enables people to pull put forward proposals on key issues of global concern for discussion and further action at the highest political level. Any proposal that reaches a certain threshold of popular support should be put onto the agenda of the UN General Assembly or Security Council. Secondly, a UN Parliamentary Assembly the creation of a UN Parliamentary Assembly which allows for the inclusion of elected representatives in the agenda setting and decision making of the UN. The Assembly will act as a representative body and watchdog connecting the people with the UN and reflecting a broad diversity of global viewpoints. Thirdly, a UN Civil Society Envoy. Setting up the office of a UN Civil Society Envoy and to enable greater participation, spur inclusive coverings, and drive the UN's outreach to the public and civil society organizations, this envoy should champion the implementation, implementation of a broader strategy for opening up the UN to people's participation and civil society voices. The key word here is United Nations. The United Nations is beginning to take on a global governance in the world. Pope Francis 
On May 25th, Pope Francis invited everyone to embark on a seven-year journey, interesting number, seven years to a totally sustainable world in the spirit of integral ecology, drawing on his 2015 encyclical Latitudo Psi on Care for Our Common Home, the Pope expressed hope that humanity would take care of our Mother Earth. To the end, that he announced the Latudo Psi Action Platform to move us forward with a seven-year strategy. Here are some of the remarks as excerpted from the English translation of his speech. I invited all people of goodwill to take care of the earth. The current pandemic has now brought to light in an even stronger way the cry of nature and that of the poor who suffer most consequences, consequences, highlighting that everything is interconnected and interdependent. We need a new ecological approach that can transform our way of dwelling in the world, our styles of life, our relationship with the resources of the earth, and in general our way of looking at humanity and of living life. An integral human ecology that involves not only environmental questions, but also mankind in his entirety. Our selfishness, our indifference, and our irresponsible way of threatening the future of our children, I therefore renew my appeal. Let us take care of our Mother Earth. Let us overcome the temptation of selfishness that makes us predators of resources. Let us cultivate respect for the gifts of the earth and creation. Let us inaugurate a lifestyle and a society that is finally eco-sustainable. We have the opportunity to prepare a better tomorrow for all. From God's hands, we have received a garden. We cannot leave a desert to our children. On a journey that will last for seven years, we will let ourselves be guided by the seven aims of Latudo Sai, which will show us the direction while we pursue the vision of integral ecology. The response to the cry of the earth, the response to the cry of the poor, the ecological economy, the adoption of a simple way of life, ecological education, ecological spirituality, and community engagement. God bless each one of you and bless our mission to rebuild our common home. I mean, an awful lot is said about nothing. Yet at the same time, an awful lot is said about globalism and interfaith and trying to create a one spirituality and uh, Mother Earth at the center. Uh, which, according again to our Christian worldview, is not a true sense of God or creation. And so we find that the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset, as it is called, is coming about. Originally, the World Economic Forum, WEF, and you will hear this a number of times, was to host its annual meeting in Davos at the end of January 2021. As per the norm, the COVID chart changed everything and the event shifted, becoming a virtual gathering under the umbrella of the 
Davos agenda and uh, edition of Hope for the World update is going to have more on this, that's so he says. Nevertheless, an in-person annual meeting was still in the works with a target date of May 25 to 28 to be held in Singapore. But then it changed again and the new date was set for August 17 to 20. However, the WEF, the World Economic Forum, by the way, which will play a large part in the one economic one financial system that will emerge out of the one world government uh, announced in mid-May that the annual in-person conference was finally and altogether cancelled and has gone virtual. No matter its annual meeting setback, the WEF campaign for a great reset is still firmly in motion. In fact, a number of other meetings uh, are, are in play. The problem that we have is not globalization. The problem is a lack of global governance. And so this is the, the mantra which is being, which is being spoken now, is that, that, that all of these groups in the UN and even in the Vatican want global governance. And it is interesting that the present presidential administration which we are under is pushing for global governance in a number of different ways and has called for a great reset and is implementing that kind of thing with open borders and with various kinds of new um, activity not only with Iran but with China and with various other players in the world such as Russia and we find of course the progressive uh, socializ socialization which is going on of our culture um, is playing a big role in this kind of um, uh, global citizenship which they're looking to promote. Well, getting back to our beginning, not to say that this does not have a lot to do with it, because as believers, we turn to the word of God for the hope and the comfort and the encouragement that we need. And we remain, even at a time when perhaps there is some sense of fear and foreboding on what may come next. We still have to keep our same true faith in God and our true hope in those things to come which are in Christ. And even as the Christians of the first century who fell under great persecution and other Christians um, have fallen to persecution throughout centuries thereafter, we too must uh, be firm in our faith uh, though we find that these things are unsettling. And perhaps we feel a, a sense of helplessness that we cannot do anything to stem the tide. And perhaps we feel like we, would, we want to do something but we can't do it, we don't know how to do it, or that we don't know how to fight against a system which is uh, run, really, by evil perpetrators, those who are, are truly motivated by the God of this world, and um, who are playing out a prophetic scenario that has been very long coming, for a very long coming. Now, I suppose we would have to put this into context and say nothing has happened yet. 
But a lot, of course, has taken place. A lot has already taken place. And if we took an inventory of those things, we would have to say that many things have happened already. And they will continue to happen. But our one uh, great hope, of course, is, is Christ and of his coming again. And to have faith, pesteo, to believe that God is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. To realize that God does have a place for us to belong. A monad, uh, a place, a, a mansion, as it were. Some place to be with him. For we know that God has promised us that. He has promised us that. And not only so, but the, um, the, the sense of erkomai. He will come again. I will come. He has promised that to us. He has promised that to us. So these are three words that actually you can keep in your vocabulary. Monet is simple to remember. It is a it is a place which God has prepared for you, a monet. Pisteo is faith. And it is to believe. And we must we oh, we must all have faith and believe. And the third word, erkomai, which is an easy word to remember too, it just means Jesus is coming. I will come. Erkomai. I will come. It is a it is an imperfect, in, in, imperfect tense. It doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. It means it is a promise of that which is to come. I will come. You see, I will come. These three words can be in your vocabulary, whether you choose to have them just in English or whether you want to remember them by the original word which is given to us here. But they are words of hope. Words which will distill fear. Words which will help us to, to get through whatever may be coming down the road and will cause us to persevere in faith. God desires for us to have a cure for a troubled spirit, if you will, a spirit of agitation which often comes over his children. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us. And we pray, Father, that you will bless these words to our hearts. That we may take them away, realizing they are part of our true faith in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.